From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And with me today, Mr. Murphy Lyerly, an international trainer with Focus, Inc. USA, an apostolate of the Archdiocese of Omaha, founded on the principle that communication and problem-solving are the keys to a successful marriage. Focus, spelled F-O-C-C-U-S, stands for Facilitate Open Couple Communication, Understanding, and Study. Murphy, thank you so much for being here today. Taylor, great to be here. And um, just by way of introduction, uh, the chaplains who are endorsed by the Archdiocese are having a series of four convocations this year. And you, Murphy, are the uh, main speaker, and uh, you're helping our chaplains uh, use your focus program to support couples who are seeking to strengthen their marriage. Uh, Tell me a little bit about focus and what's the thinking behind this program? this program, this organization? How did it get started? How long have you been in operation? Uh, Give us a little background. Sure. So um, FOCUS is a ministry of the Archdiocese of Omaha, Um, but it is unique in that it works nationally and internationally. Primarily what we do is prepare engaged couples for marriage and equip clergy and leaders to prepare engaged couples for marriage, which has been uh, in the last 30, 40 years, a much more important emphasis that the church has focused on. So, um, uh, really looking back at the start of focus, it's hard to talk about focus without talking about Pope John Paul II and what he brought uh, to an understanding of marriage and family life, particularly uh, marriage preparation. And so in 1981, he wrote Familiaris Consortio, which is a uh, kind of a watershed text on marriage and family life. And in it, he laid out some of the formal um, uh, rubrics of what marriage preparation should look like. And a few years later, uh, a group of Catholic um, religious and uh, psychologists came together and formed focus. And essentially what they formed was uh, an assessment for couples to be able to understand if they were ready to marry or not. Um, And it's flourished into a ministry with about 17,000 priests, deacons, lay couples facilitating. And we've worked with millions and millions of engaged couples around the world. We're in uh, every United States diocese. We're in about 30 different countries. And that's kind of the origin of, of where we came from. Are you taking the place of the what used to be called the pre-Cana program? Sure, that's a great question. So pre-Cana is a bit of a blanket term. Um, Pre-Cana was originally what all marriage prep was called, and it still, in a certain sense, is. So a lot of dioceses will have pre-Cana and will take focus as a part of it. I see. So uh, you have a retreat for engaged couples? So focus is a little different in that it's not a retreat as much as it's a series of ongoing formation meetings. And so... The way it'll start is a couple will take about 151 to 186 statement inventory, and it'll say statements like this. We have discussed our expectations uh, coming into marriage as regards to being a husband and being a wife. And each member of the couple can answer agree, disagree, or uncertain to that. And that's just one statement out out of the couple hundred statements that are presented, but there's every topic you can think of, lifestyle expectations, friends and interests, communication, human sexuality, religion, spirituality, and values, finances, and each member of the couple responds, agree or disagree or uncertain to these statements. And that generates a report that a trained facilitator can take and work in a series of two to 10 meetings to sit and talk with an engaged couple about their responses 
and what they can do to strengthen their relationship heading into their marriage. And how long has this program been in operation? Sure, since about 1985. And uh, any metrics? Nowadays we hear a lot about metrics. Uh, Any indication of the success of the program? Sure. So uh, Focus is on its fourth edition. Um, And in the first edition in 1985, they started to study um, what prevented a divorce and what could um, help a couple stay married. One of the first things they found was talking about key issues that were important to marriage. And so they started taking the things that most marriage counselors often dealt with and reverted them into marriage preparation and said, these things that we are seeing are breaking up marriages. Let's talk to couples about them before they even get married. And they saw a pretty big decline in the divorce rate and uh, people that generally just seem to be more excited about about marriage. So that was in 1985. Uh, Now we are seeing um, some pretty drastic statistics that there's certain things that a couple can do, even when they're engaged, to help, quote unquote, divorce proof their marriage. Um, and really investing in the focus process and, and, and really investing in their Catholic faith are probably two of the biggest things that our metrics and that national metrics have told us can help a marriage last. And so you've been talking to our chaplains here in the last few weeks. Uh, what can chaplains do to support couples through this process? That's a great question, Taylor. And I think that when I meet with uh, anyone that does marriage formation or marriage preparation, I talk about a three-pronged approach. And I think the first thing we need to give to engaged and married couples is vision. And it's a vision for what God's plan for marriage is. And I think this is something in the church that we're very good at, is showing couples uh, and showing people that uh, God has a very clear vision for what marriage is, and that marriage has this beautiful nature and this beautiful... um, these aspects that really flow over into our world. So that's the first thing we we give couples is vision. The second thing uh, I like to see couples receiving is skills, the skills to live married life well. And I think that uh, I base these skills myself off of um, the four pillars actually of priestly formation. And this was another document John Paul II wrote, um, Pastoris Davis Vobis. And he said that a priest needs to be formed in these four areas, uh, human formation, intellectual formation, spiritual formation and pastoral formation. And it's this idea that to be a good priest, you have to have these human skills. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to really know what the church teaches about your your uh, vocation and your calling. And you have to be able to administer to people. And those are things we try to do in focus. So giving couples the human skills to be able to communicate, to be able to problem solve, the intellectual skills to know what marriage is and good approach, uh, how to approach a relationship and parenting well the spiritual skills of how to pray together as a couple and what does it mean to live a Catholic marriage. And lastly, that pastoral, or as we often call it, apostolic ministry of what does it mean to live the corporal works of mercy in a marriage? And I think we often make this a lot more complex and a lot more abstract than, than we need to. I, I, I'm just about to, my wife and I are just about to have our first child. And Congratulations. We're, thank you. That's thank you. News. Thank you. Yeah, we're just a few days away. And uh, I'm, I've been praying about the corporal works of mercy and how I am called to live them out as a married man and thinking about clothing the naked and feeding the hungry and admonishing the sinner and teaching the ignorant. And those are really what I'll be doing with my newborn baby every day. And I think that uh, those are the skills we need to give to couples. And lastly, and uh, which I think is, is, is a pretty nuanced thing, but is so important, is support. So the idea of vision, skills, but ongoing support. I think that um, Pope Francis has been a real gift in the church in showing that the real time marriage preparation and, and marriage enrichment kicks in is after the wedding when a couple begins to face these challenges. And if they can look to the church as a refuge, as a place that can give them support and that can walk with them in 
a sacramental uh, formation in the RCI program, there's a part of the catechumenate called mystagogy, which is traditionally a year after a person is brought into the communion with the Catholic Church, the Church continues to walk with them to talk to them about what it means to be Catholic. We envision at Focus a marital mystagogy for those early years of a wedding, of a marriage, right when a person usually becomes a first-time parent, to walk with these couples, to continue to provide them support. So that three-pronged approach of vision, vision, skills, and support are what I've been basing my presentations at the convocations around. And how can the church support newly married couples? That's a great question, and I think it's been exciting to watch different ministries and different archdioceses and parishes learn this together. I think the biggest thing we can do is to, to show couples that marriage preparation is more than just a formality. Um, I think we need to really show couples that marriage preparation is not just a, 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 a hoop to jump through. It's a lifeline that they can cling to, and the church should be that for them as well. And I think that a big part of that is grouping together young couples, particularly those um, in the military who are in similar life situations and having them there as support groups. So I think there's a lot of newlyweds who are just beginning their adult life, who get in a parish and look around and want some sense of community. And I think we as a church can build those communities around people in similar life situations to build support. And I'd also say that uh, to continue to provide couples ways to enrich their marriage um, one of the really exciting ways, after Focus was developed in 1985, a few years later, they decided that this was working very well for engaged couples, but it'd be very nice if there was an instrument to do this with married couples. And so the Refocus inventories were launched, which is a relationship enrichment inventory for those who are already married. And this is a way that couples can continue to enhance their marriage, continue to really administer the sacrament of marriage to one another. And it's been exciting. The Archdiocese for Military Services puts on an uh, I believe two retreats every year for married couples. And these past few years, they based it upon the refocus marriage enrichment inventory. How many focus programs have you sponsored? How many refocus programs have you sponsored? Sure. So personally I've met with uh, probably a couple hundred engaged couples in different settings to kind of learn how this process goes. My main job is to train people to use a focus instrument. So I've trained thousands of priests, uh, deacons, seminarians, laymen and women, and a few bishops on how to do this. Um, Refocus has been an exciting instrument that I think is a really untapped um, section of the church that I think we can really spend some time on. I think marriage preparation is seen as a mandatory thing because marriage preparation is mandatory in the church's teaching. And um, I think something like marriage enrichment is a unique opportunity to where we can provide parishes, provide priests, and provide dioceses with the, op- the possibility to give their engaged or their married couples a way to enhance their marriage. So, particularly with refocus, I've seen some very exciting opportunities of parishes around Valentine's Day or um, at certain parts of the year making either retreats around refo- refocus or just giving refocus to married couples to be able to enrich their marriage. So, in your um, research and uh, interaction with couples. Uh, what are some of the things that um, doom a marriage, and 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 how can couples going into a marriage or couples in a marriage address those? Sure, I think that it's really important to talk about um, the uh, primacy that faith plays in in a marriage, and I think that both secular studies and those within the church have shown that. Um, if a couple prays together every day, their chance of divorce is about one in a thousand. Um, and uh, that's uh, important to tell couples. I think that uh, there's a certain type of intimacy that comes with prayer that flows over into other areas of our lives. And so that's be the number one thing I think an engaged couple 
uh, or a married couple would would emphasize. Another is continually working on your marriage. We we tend to see marriage as a very and love as a very finite thing that that happens. But John Paul II was a real gift to the church. He has a beautiful line in Love and Responsibility where he says, "Love should be seen as something which, in a sense, never is, but is always only becoming." And he had this idea that love isn't something to be grasped. Love is something to be grown. And uh, I really teach engaged couples that there are, and married couples that their marriage is something that must must be nurtured. And love in that marriage must be nurtured. I think when most engaged couples get married, and I ask them why they want to get married, they almost always say, because we love each other, which is a great reason to, to get married. But I think they see love as a very finite, terminal uh, reality that is just grasped. But really, it's something that has to be continually fostered. And so that's another thing that I think would be um, a precursor to divorce, would be if people stop working on their relationship, stop investing in their marriage. Um and I think the the last thing I would say is honesty. Um, trust in a marriage is, is is critical. And I think that in our age of anonymity with social media and technology, it's very easy for people to live duplicit lifestyles. And when that flows into a marriage, it's very difficult to to bring them back together. What about some of the uh, challenges some couples face? Addiction, mental illness, depression. How do they deal with all that? Sure. It's been, it's been a much more challenging reality, uh, even in the past few years. I always tell my engaged couples a, a certain sentence. I say, I have them write a line saying, if my future spouse knew blank about me, they would not want to marry me. And I tell them that it is my goal in the next few months of marriage preparation that you don't have anything to put in that blank, that you're showing your entire self to your future spouse and they're showing their entire self to you, which is um, critical in marriage. And I think that as we face challenges of both mental illness and things like addiction to technology or addiction to pornography, it's important as a church to really work with these couples to be able to, first of all, understand that this is a challenge, this is a problem, but also treat them as actual addictions. I think, um, especially in marriage preparation, if I find someone who has an addiction to alcohol, I don't think I'm going to be able to fix that in three or four meetings. That needs uh, treated like any other addiction. And I think when it comes to mental illness, and addiction, uh, it's important to uh, see that as a prolonged approach that gradually needs to be implemented and fixed, but it's something that uh, takes time and it takes expertise. How about interfaith marriages? Sure. This is something that is, is much more prominent, where we have couples coming to us where one member of the couple is Catholic and the other is not, and maybe that other person isn't even Christian or has never even been baptized. And it's a unique opportunity I've seen uh, for the church to really show why we believe and what we believe in a way that hopefully is attractive to, a, to an engaged person. One of the, the beautiful lines about m- marriage preparation that I've learned is uh, the idea that um, there's a reason an engaged couple is coming to us for marriage preparation. They don't have to. In fact, fewer people in our country are getting married than ever have before. And uh, of those people getting married, many of them choose to not get married in the Catholic church or even in a religious setting. And so there is something about the Catholic church, whether it's her beautiful architecture or something that inspires an engaged couple, even if that engaged couple isn't Catholic or not practicing their faith, to come to the church for marriage preparation. And I think it's our job um, as a as people who minister to them to really find out why they're coming and to use that as a touch point for evangelization and as an on-ramp for this couple. I, I use a line with the people I train for focus. I tell them that you can pull a ship in um, to shore by a single thread if you pull gently enough. And I think finding the point in a couple why they came to the church for marriage preparation is very important. So let's talk about the skills. In your experience, what are some of the skills that are most difficult 
to learn? Sure. I think that a challenge of, um, of modern times is the challenge that technology brings in to relationships. So we have couples where more of them meet online or via apps. And a lot of them, uh, especially in the military, live uh, in different locations for the majority of their courtship. Um, and so they have this technological piece of their relationship that really cleans up what would otherwise be the uh, very human, very normal, um, uh, very uh, real part of their relationship. And um, when their entire courtship has been cleaned up like that by technology, it becomes difficult when you get into a real relationship where there's no app for marital communication. There's no app for having a conversation with your spouse. And I think an important skill to have is just a simple basic ability to disclose who you are to another person in a, in a loving way. And especially um, when it comes to spousal love to disclose yourself fully. And I think that that's an important skill that I like to teach couples. Another one is the ability to solve problems. Um, problem solving is an important part of any marriage. And sadly, a lot of people come with a fight or flight mentality to problem solving um, in their relationships that if there's a problem, they're going to uh, run away from it or they're just going to fight it. And I think there's a there's a middle ground that a lot of couples need to learn. You talked about vision. It's important for a couple to define their vision. What, what is a vision? Is it like a mission statement or something? It's, a, it's funny you'd say that, Henry. <laughs> so I actually, that's an exercise I do with couples. I have them state, here's the mission statement of our marriage. Here's the reason our marriage exists. One of the things I do couples, I have couples do is I have them define in their own words what marriage is. And I actually used a kind of a four- for a uh, phased approach. My background academically is in philosophy and I'm a big fan of Aristotle and Aristotle had what he called the four causes. And uh, essentially what that looks like in marriage, I have a couple define what marriage is, what makes up a happy marriage, where marriage comes from and why marriage exists. And I don't tell most engaged couples that this is an ancient Greek philosopher who's telling me this, but, but I have them write these things out and you'd be amazed. Even the most unchurched, uh, couples who many of them are not Catholic or are on the fringes of of belief in the church, many of them are a lot closer to the church's teaching than, than most would think and, and what they think marriage is. And so I think a big thing with vision is for them to articulate why do we want to get married? Why do we want to get married in the church? And what does our marriage mean? Um, showing them those realities get couples to really understand that marriage exists for more than just the two of them. And even for more than just the two of them and their children, that marriage is a good for society and it's a shared common good that the church, since its very foundation, has always supported. And I suppose when couples start to go through this process, some of them will find that they really aren't cut out to be married. Absolutely. And um, that's a really important reality in marriage preparation is marriage preparation and engagement should be seen as a time of discernment. And so if a young man were to enter seminary formation at 18 or 19 years old and have six or seven or eight years of priestly formation ahead of him, you wouldn't think it's odd if he were to leave the seminary because it's supposed to be a time, it's meant to be a time of discernment. We're really trying to transition engaged couples to see discernment, engagement as a similar process. And part of what I've tried to do is to move away from the term marriage preparation and towards the term marriage formation. A lot of times couples think marriage prep is actually wedding preparation and all they are excited for is this party and planning this event. And that event lasts for one day, but their marriage will last, hopefully, for the rest of their lives. So what are the stats in the church right now as best we know? How many, what percentage of uh, Catholic couples make it and what percentage don't? 
Sure, it's it's tough. One of the just statistics in the United States is that uh, for the first time in the history of the United States, uh, a majority of adults uh, are not married, and adults are defined as those over eighteen. It's never happened before in the, the history of the United States, and so one of the things you need to take into account is less couples are getting married, both in the church and without, than than before. And so um, the and it's kind of difficult to talk about in the church, but the percentage of first marriages that end in divorce uh, are much. Uh, uh, that's a much lower percentage in the church than without. Um, when you have couples get married multiple times or uh, maybe get married and seek a declaration of annullity and do that several times, their percentage of divorce goes up. But generally speaking, a couple who gets married uh, in a church by a religious minister has a much better chance of staying married. Um, and particularly a Catholic minister has an even better chance of staying married than other denominations. And I think that's because the church is very good at marriage preparation, we've done it longer than any other any other denomination. Why do you think so fewer people are getting married now? You know that's a that's a tough question, uh, Taylor. I think that um, one of the challenges the church has is um, the secular culture really asking people why marriage matters and um, not being able to provide a ready made answer. And I think that. One of the terms that has become very prevalent in my generation is a term called monogamish, which is a, a, an idea that you can enter into a monogamous relationship, but kind of. You don't have to be faithful all the time. And ideas like this are very rampant, especially among university uh, cultures. And I think that a lot of young people are looking at this saying, well, that doesn't make sense. If if I'm going to get married, I want to be married in fidelity, and that's not what this is. And so I think that uh, it's important, particularly in the church, and I think this is very timely that it's only been a few years since we canonized St. Therese's parents, St. Louis and Zelie Martin, for the church to uphold not only marriage as a good, but married couples as a, as a, as marriage as a path to sanctity. And I think that um, many people in our world look at either the divorces that are happening in our world or they themselves are children of divorce and they see the pain that that causes. And, and because of that, they feel that maybe marriage isn't the best thing for our society for them to enter into. Is there any indication this is about to change, or is it uh, kind of static right now? Sure. So uh, the the beautiful thing is people will continue to get married. That I, I do believe that that marital love is something that uh, uh, is on people's hearts, and um, there are certain signs of hope in the church that people can point to, um, both in the church and without. And one of them is even in the secular world, the divorce rate among first marriages is. Um, we often hear it's the divorce rate is 50%, but among first marriages, it's a lot lower than that. Um, and I think that as uh, people are children or even grandchildren of divorce, I think a lot of them say, if I'm going to get married, I'm going to take it seriously. And I think eventually those people, when they get married and take their, hopefully their marriage preparation and their, their marriage very seriously, I think that that will show marriage as a, as a real lifelong institution for for the young people in our world. And even within the church, we've seen a lot of good signs of, um, parishes becoming what I would call domestic marriage preparation units. Um, parishes really equipping people to do marriage formation from a very young age. One of the things John Paul said in Familiaris Consortio is that marriage preparation should be seen as a lifelong process. And he breaks down into these three phases of remote, proximate, and immediate. But he said that from a person's entire life, from the minute they're born, they should be doing, they should be being prepared for for marriage, if that's what they're called to. And I think that eventually all the work the church has put in to understand that and all the uh, the programs and, and institutions and, and uh, relationships we built to do that, eventually I believe that will come to fruition. 
So you've been working with uh, our Vice Chancellor of Evangelization, Mark Moitoza, mm-hmm. to stage some of these uh, retreats. Uh, and uh, this year, as I mentioned at the top of our podcast here, you've been talking to our endorsed chaplains, and uh, that includes the uh, first convocation that they held. Uh, and for the benefit of the listener, the um, AMS, the Archdiocese for the Military Services, Archbishop Brolio, um, holds these uh, chaplain convocations every other year. And uh, there are four of them, uh, four uh, all having the same program but staged in different times and places so that our chaplains who are scattered all over the world uh, can conveniently um, uh, attend the one nearest them. And the first one uh, you uh, spoke at, Murphy, was uh, in San Diego, uh, earlier this month. You're here in Washington right now talking to the second one here in Silver Spring. Uh, and then there will be another one in San Antonio coming up uh, later this month and then next month, Rome. What kind of uh, reception, what kind of um, reaction are you getting from the chaplains about how they can support military couples? Sure. So I have uh, been extremely blessed and focused as an organization is so grateful for Archbishop Brolio and for Dr. Matoza and Monsignor Foster for the uh, Vicar General for the AMS for having us out. And we have learned so much from from these particular chaplains about the unique blessings and challenges that these military couples face. And I think that we're looking forward to a very intensive partnership to where focus can begin to come up with specific um, resources and maybe even one day specific inventory for couples in the services. And, and I think that that's been a beautiful thing to see. I think we've really enjoyed learning from each other. I've, uh, I myself don't have a military background, so I'm still learning the lingo. There's a lot of acronyms associated with the military. <laughs> um, Tell me about it. Right. Uh, but, it's, but it's been a real blessing to kind of learn, especially from, from these men who have given their lives in, in multiple senses to the service of the church and of our country. And, of course, some of those challenges being the transitional, transient lifestyle of the military. Uh, military families move every two or three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, long separations when the uh, active duty member is deployed, uh, lots of career pressure in the military, and you know, growing secularization. I mean, we see that in all areas of our society, including mm-hmm. the military. And I'm sure that you address these in, in both your meetings with the chaplains and in the focus program itself. Absolutely. It's been uh it's been unique to look at the way being in the military really permeates a person's life. We we thought about having an additional section of the focus inventory just for uh, service members and their spouses and future spouses. But we learned is being in the military influences every area of your of your life, and it, it can't just be a um, ornamental uh, relationship. And so what what we've really learned is the importance of giving um, both these military members and their spouses. Uh, as many resources as possible to deal with the uh, the moves, the transitions, and even a big thing we've learned in this conversation in particular is the expectations a person brings into a marriage. Um, and just knowing that if you marry a service member, there's certain realities that are going to be a part of your relationship. So for the benefit of the listener out there whose interest is piqued by focus, how can a couple uh, take part in this program? Sure. So um, any engaged couple, I would I would encourage you to locate your local church and ask them if they use Focus, and if not, refer them to us at uh, focusinc.com. Um, and I would, uh, for any married couple, I would encourage them to go to our website. And again, it's with Focus with two Cs. Uh, 
I, I love our name, but one of the challenges is we often get confused with the Fellowship of Catholic University students, which is a great program, but I often say we're the other focus. <laughs> you have um, two C's, they have one. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I, I would encourage any married couple, whether you've been married two years or, or 70, to try the Refocus Marriage Enrichment Program. And even if there's a non-Catholic couple out there listening to this, it's a great program that talks about the unique blessings and challenges that come into a marriage. Murphy Lyerly, the uh, international trainer for Focus Inc. USA. That's Focus with two C's, F-O-C-C-U-S-A. Excuse me, F-O-C-C-U-S, right? Yes. And uh, your website is uh, Focus Inc., that's one word, mm-hmm. uh, dot org. Dot yeah, sorry, dot org. Yes, that's right. Dot org. Dot org. Yep. Uh, Focus Inc. dot org. Focus Inc. Uh, all being one word and I N C. No, no period no at period. the end of it. Well, you'd have the period coming. Dot up org. Over, right? <laughs> <laughs> Only one dot. Two C's and one dot. <laughs> Murphy, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks to be here.